Welcome to the Fish House Nation podcast presented by Catch Cover, your home for ice fishing news, tips, stories, and strategies. And now, your host, Chris Larson. Hello and welcome to the Fish House Nation podcast. Just about everyone with a passion for ice fishing is well aware of the destination lakes like Lake of the Woods, Mille Lacs, and Red Lake. But there are a ton of small lakes that are perfect for fish house expeditions. We discussed finding ice fishing's hidden gems with Joel Nelson at the St. Paul Ice Fishing Show. Let's check out the conversation. We're talking destinations this year on the Fish House Nation podcast. And what I've been doing with most guests is bringing people in that are maybe a, a guide or a resort owner on a certain lake. But right. uh, you're a guy that gets out and gets kind of all over the place. Yeah. Uh, tell me about some of kind of your favorite destinations. And if somebody is, you know, maybe they've got a, a fish house for the first time this year. Yep. They're thinking about where to go. What are some of your favorites? You know, the, the big ones are the obvious and easy ones, right? You're talking Devil's Lake, Lake of the Woods. Um, you're talking Leech and Mille Lacs. All those are just destination fisheries that, that, that people, bread and butter, are going to go you're going to catch your walleyes. You're going to catch your perch. You're going to have a great time. There's some of the bigger fringe destinations that are more like bucket list trips. You're talking like Cascade Lake in Idaho, Fort Peck out in Montana, maybe Saginaw Bay out in Michigan. Some of these bites that are somewhat legendary uh, for big fish and numbers of fish both. But then, you know, one thing I'd like to split open a little bit is talking about areas as a destination. Maybe you're talking Glacial Lakes mm-hmm. in South Dakota. Maybe you're talking about just picking a spot on a map in rural Wisconsin where there looks to be more water than land, holding up at a local establishment, figuring out the area a little bit, you know, areas north of Grand Rapids, Minnesota, uh, areas uh, near Longville, and there's kind of a belt of northern Minnesota waterways and areas there. I love getting into an area, just scouting about, driving around, learning figuring out new bites. I, I I want to do as a goal for myself more of those kinds of destination fishing trips than necessarily just the big ones because I enjoy those too. But I love what multiple lakes can offer, multiple species, different looks, different depths, a sight fishing bite, a shallow weeds deal, a deep rock thing. I, I'm impressed by variety. You're a nerd yeah, for that kind of stuff, totally. and that's that's your thing. Yeah. How does somebody who's who's – Maybe not a nerd, but here's what you're saying. And yep. says, yeah, that's what I want to do. I don't want to go on the lax. Yes. 10,000 of my greatest friends out right. there. I want to go somewhere where maybe there's only a few people out yeah. on the lake. How does one go about putting a trip like that together? So if you're a wheelhouse owner, uh, I think the great part about those is that they don't have to necessarily be parked on the ice. Uh, especially if you've got a drop-down deal or in the back of your truck, you can drop a four-wheeler in get a snowmobile on board somehow, use it as your mobile base camp, like a camper that doesn't necessarily have to be on the ice, but could be. And so if I'm looking at an area on the map, let's say Grand Rapids, Minnesota, I know that the bigger lakes are probably going to have some decent plowed roads, some ability to just get my my ice house out on the ice somewhere. That might be all I'm looking for. I might not be looking for the best piece of structure, finding fish necessarily on that lake, you might be looking for a nice rock home to park it on for the potential of a good evening, uh, an evening walleye bite, right? Coming up to the rock pile. 
or uh, a community hole or an area where maybe some crappies are at in the basin, knowing that the only time I'm going to be spending there is early in the morning or late at night. And during the day, I'll be out checking out all these other lakes. So uh, if you pick any lake in Minnesota, any lake in Wisconsin and the Dakotas, uh, find a bigger one nearby that can kind of serve as your destination base camp. Heck, I've even planted these things in parking lots and fished the surrounding area. We do that late ice all the time. It may not have enough ice for me to get my Yeti out onto the big sheet. So what? Mm-hmm. I'll park it near shore, sleep, hang out, do whatever there, and go fish late ice, all these other lakes for panfish. So, And that's, uh, we have a mutual friend who was on the show yesterday, Blake Tollison. Yeah. And, and that's kind of what Blake does. You know, he'll, yeah. he'll go up in the Schwamigan National Forest yes. and go and find these little tiny lakes. And, you know, he told me yesterday because, you know, he doesn't share the photos of the times he gets skunked. Right. You know, you just see the photos of the giant oh, stuff that he right. finds in these little holes. But right. he's like, you know, I, I go and do this and it's it's kind of like a treasure hunt for me. And I yep. go to these places and some of the lakes I, I find treasure and some of the lakes I, I find nothing. And you will find nothing more times than you will find treasure but you can't find the treasure without going through that process right so i think the really fascinating part about it for me is is that if i could go ahead and hit a bunch of lakes and maybe cross them off the list they may or may not be lakes that i revisit but at the end of the day knowing where they're not can be as powerful as knowing where there are because man in these certain areas there's not always a ton of lakes and you know, you're going to check some things out. You're going to learn. And that's the important part. I'm going to learn. And you know what? I, I've been focusing more over the last few years on enjoying the process. Mm-hmm. Go out to the bar for lunch, right? Have, have a greasy burger at some pit stop in Wisconsin. Awesome. Enjoy the people learn. Some of the best things I've learned are from, you know, pulling up to the locals and just chatting them up and you'd just be amazed. Uh, of what you can learn and find out about the way they fish, the bait they use, the secret bites that they're willing to divulge. Yeah, you give a guy a burger and a few beers and all of a sudden you learn about it. (laughs) Right, right, right. Yeah, and and so I I really, uh, I've learned to not just uh, get up at the crack of dawn or before, you know, in the winter, let's be honest. It's pitch black when we're getting out on the ice a lot of times. And doing that all day long and pounding and pounding and pounding and getting back late at night and barely getting a few hours of sleep to do it again. I want to enjoy the process. I want to learn along the way. And I think a destination style bike where you go and pick a handful of small lakes, I, I think that's as or more rewarding to me than necessarily just going up to the big fish factories and beat them up. Yeah. I think that's one of those things too that, uh, you know, some of my favorite lakes are in that, you know, thousand to two thousand acre yeah thing you know it's it, like you say it's not someone it's not a lake that someone's got you know their their pin drop on it it's it's a lake that you know has the potential to build really good stuff like you know it's probably got a, a few guys driving their own snow plows out there and yep. opening up a hole but you're not out there with a million different people up there. you know the other thing that i should mention is i'm a lot a lot more these days fishing in places where there are big lakes or they're attached to the great big lakes. Mm-hmm. There's a small waterway that works its way, feeds its way out. And somehow these places are connected. And it's always important to remember that if you take a big system, let's say like Leech or a big system like Winnie or Lake of the Woods, any of these smaller waterways that are attached are going to have a lot of the same species, mm-hmm. population and size structure in the smaller lakes nearby. 
with typically far less pressure and a new wrinkle and a new look and a new pile of scenery to check out. So I, I appreciate doing that kind of thing too. And there's a lot more lakes in the state like that than you'd imagine that have these connected waterways with really great bites. And that, and that may be one of those things where you're going to put your house out on the big lake. Yeah. And then you can run your quad or your Absolutely. Down, down Absolutely. Or even on the big lakes themselves, small little back out of the way bays, these little diamond or teardrop shaped chunks of water that they just kind of get forgotten. They're far around the corner. They're a long ways from the access. Man, those are the kinds of places I look for first. I, I love being where other people aren't and catching fish. One of, one of my favorite lakes uh, is like what we're talking about. Yep. And if you go on the avionics, there's no information there. Yeah. It looks like a mud puddle to a guy from, you know, 100 miles away. Yep. yep. There's nothing there. When you go in and fish one of those lakes, how do you kind of get started to find, start finding fish? Yeah. Great, great question. You know, typically I look to the shorelines first and foremost. I'll always digitally sleuth as much as I can to avoid backbreaking labor. Call me lazy, but that's the way I do it. We're old. We're old. <laughs> so I'm looking on my phone. I'm looking at aerial photography. I'm looking for any kinds of clues or cues that might indicate the structure or the depth of this lake. So a lot of times that involves getting to the lake itself and just looking at the shoreline too, right? any steep-sided areas up against shore, you can always imagine that it might continue down into the lake itself. A steep bank or a steep shoreline might mean a steep break in the water. And the same is true with marshy, flat, low areas on the one end of the lake. You can probably imagine that coming out into the water and being shallow in its own right. So a little bit of that goes a long way before you decide to start drilling that thing in the Swiss cheese. But one thing I've learned when when searching is to drill uh, more holes further apart rather than just more holes in a specific area i really like yeah don't be afraid to walk a long way in between holes as you're drilling and just do some general depth checks two people it's just it works so much better yeah and, and we're seeing so many things yeah and markham's got the mx7 out with that mapping oh and, yeah and all that technology is awesome when you're fishing you know the the larger lakes but when you get out to these little places that we're talking about yeah you know it, it comes down to kind of boots on the ground and, and finding stuff it does and you know the one thing i will say about the mx7 and the navionics in general is that there tend to be more lakes on those chips than a lot of the others so you do end up getting even if it's not a perfect one foot contour map a general idea which helps guide your drilling and yeah i i, I really try and do everything I can to avoid drilling more holes so that, you know, when I get out there and I really want to pound out a piece of structure, I'm motivated to continue to drill that part out. I don't want to waste all my time and effort and energy on just drilling too many holes that don't, that end up being duds or bad water, too shallow, too deep, whatever, depending what I'm fishing. But you draw an X on most general areas you want to fish and you drill an X shaped pattern Somewhere in that X is going to give you an indication of deeper to shallower. Somewhere is going to help you find a weed bed that you're keying in on. I really use that kind of X-style pattern quite a bit. So Blake and you both 
or like you know you go out to these places and, and you're gonna find duds at what point when you're when you're fishing these small areas do you just go you know what this this isn't gonna do it so how, how long does it take before you kind of scratch that one off the list that's a great question um and it is different depending on the size of the lake and, and there is a little bit of feel and experience involved in that but what i will tell you as a general rule i want to see life i want to see activity uh, i want to see fish either rising to the bait or moving through or swimming through and not just bait or even bait perch because that can be the kiss of death too if you're seeing nothing but tiny perch on the screen a lot of times you just need to move on right hit different holes so if i'm constantly being uh panic attacked by perch every hole i go that'll chase me off that lake pretty quick if that's all i can find everywhere i drill no matter where i go but if i'm seeing some life and some activity it could even be bugs in the system some small bits on the graph a, a little goes a long way and if i have no life and that happens on ice on ice spots now you, you you drop that deucer and you just got nothing no matter where you go even in the deep water where your cone angles wide you should see some crappies somewhere something and you got nothing um yeah usually it tells me one of two things that uh, things are pretty tough in that system right now or it can be a shallow weed dominated bite and we need to start looking there and after looking shallow if i still don't find anything it's time to try a new lake. That doesn't mean I'll have to cross it off forever, but I might not come back for a while. How about cameras? Uh, how can they play partners? I use cameras a ton when we get to the shallow part of that equation, right? The deep water side of things is nice for a camera for studying the fish, watching how they're approaching the bait, come up to it. Are they bumping it, nudging it? Are they inhaling it all the way? But when we start looking shallow, the cameras are a huge, huge asset when you've got the clarity, right? you're looking for standing weeds you're looking for fish in the background i'm also looking for predators because in a lot of the northern lakes we fish predators can tell you a lot if i'm seeing a ton of bass and a ton of pike positioned on all these spots well i could tell you right where the bluegills are going to be they're not going to be out anywhere near them <laughs> they're not going to be comfortable roaming around right and what it tells me a lot of times is that those fish are buried in the weeds and i may or may not have a good time even getting to them so i'll come back to that lake the last hour of light as those pike kind of settle down a little bit, the bass have had their last hunt of the day. Those bluegills will start filtering. I mean, just like an amoeba, man. There's uh, moving out of those weed beds. And before you know it, you got gills kind of moving around those shallow cabbage spots. I know a number of lakes that have heavy cabbage, great coontail, weed dominated, primarily shallow. You could fish it all day long and never see a dang thing. And that last half hour is one of the most magical bites you'll ever encounter. So. Be careful about crossing lakes off the list totally if you go there and don't see much during the day. So go back and check it out. And maybe maybe you were there on the wrong day. And, yep. you know, we've talked to a lot of different guys and you know, things are different on a high pressure day and a low pressure day. Yeah. You gotta kinda keep an eye on that as well. No doubt. Yeah, you, you wanna hit any lake at its best before you wanna write it off. So I wanna have at least one, two, or three cracks at it during a prime time, early morning, late evening type of the bite, or I want to have it on good overcast days um, where there's not a big high front rolling in. You've got a falling barometer, maybe an oncoming storm approaching. If I'm fishing a single lake under those conditions and it's not happening, I'm not seeing life on the screen. If I don't see any predators, because hey, predators, you want to see some. A healthy predator population means there's good prey and forage. 
you know? And if it's walleyes or out deep, I want to see the opposite. I want to see some forage. I love seeing shiners. Mm-hmm. I love seeing shiners. Even some bait perch, you just don't want to see nothing but. Yeah. How about uh, you and I were talking earlier about uh, fishing and, uh, for lack of a better term, fishing the old guy way. Yeah. And uh, kind of, you know, we've been talking about a fair amount of work. Yep. How about fishing the old guy way? You know, I do a lot more stationary style fishing now than I ever have done. And you say old guy way, and yes, we are getting older, but I didn't start doing it because of that. I, I started doing it, to be honest, to include my family more in it. Um, hey, it is fishing. Remember, it's supposed to be fun. <laughs> we don't have to beat our heads into the ice every day. Right. And and we want to enjoy the, the luxuries of the fish houses and how nice it is. Um, but the other thing I'm learning the more I fish is that sometimes stationary isn't just a lazy means of fishing. It isn't just the best way to get my family involved. It's the best way to catch fish that day on that system. And we're learning with the Garmin Live Scope and the Mega Live as people are drilling more and, and watching these fish. A lot of times drilling holes just chases fish around. And you are so much better off setting up, putting your wheelhouse down, dropping your hub on a spot, getting a camera down, getting all your disturbance out of the way, and giving it a good half hour at least, right? Maybe an hour, maybe an hour and a half and two if you're seeing fish, right? Um, I had a bluegill bite last winter. My son was on a four-wheeler 50 yards away, and I had gills on the screen ready to eat. 50 yards away, the snow crunching with the four-wheeler. It was like they turned themselves inside out swimming away. Seeing that with my own eyes was a total game changer for me because it's like, holy cow, if he's 50 yards away and a wheeler spooking the crap out of gills right below me, what am I doing by pounding holes all over the place? I'm just pushing them out, you know? Yeah. And we watched that day a near 11-inch bluegill come in and take three minutes to slowly approach from the background, saunter into my bait. Another bluegill came and missed, and that triggered his competitive instinct to come in and get that bait. And I thought, wow, if we're dealing with finicky fish like this, what am I doing Swiss cheesing that sucker? There's no way I can get bit on a day like that. Yep. without taking it easy and being stationary. There's nothing like other fish to get a fish to bite. <laughs> it's, it's, hey, we see, it, we see it out everywhere, right? It's your buddy. It's uh, a little bit of competition, man. Gets fish to do some crazy things. Yeah, we. Uh, so yesterday I talked to Pat Calmerton, yeah. who uh, fishes down in the Milwaukee area. Yep. They fish a lot of rivers yeah. uh, on the ice. And he was telling me, you know, a lot of times they're fishing two, three feet of water underneath the ice. And he was saying kind of the same thing. He's like, I drill holes, and I don't fish those holes until maybe a half hour after I drill. Oh, yeah, that's super smart. That's a super savvy trick. I uh, I tell you what, I, I have a hard time when I'm out on the ice, and that's one of the reasons I like fishing away from people. If you're fishing in a crowd, you're going to have people come in and drill right next to you, and you know what? More power to them. I understand they're looking for fish, but... Boy, if, if conditions are tough, you're in shallow water, especially clear water. Um, you just you don't have that amount of latitude. You really need to be off on your own. The more people, the more hassle, the more headache, the less fish. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, he he was talking about uh, you know he 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 was has the live scope down and he's yeah. watching the fish and he's like, you could see when someone with aggressive ice cleats walking near me, totally. that it just freaked him out. Yeah, and uh, he was talking to Brostall actually was talking about uh, he likes to uh, just fish on his four wheeler. He's not putting feet on on the ice, so he's you know just quiet because yep. he's just kind of. Sitting on this cloud, essentially, is what it would look like to the fish. A four-wheeler on snow can be surprisingly quiet. Uh, feet on frozen, you know, kind of re-slushed ice, that's loud. Mm-hmm. It's really loud. I, yeah, seeing fish react so negatively to that. And, you know, I was talking to another guy. Well, I was talking to, to, to Roach. He was talking about a guy that he was guiding had the live scope out, and they were looking at some crappies. And these crappies, when they were drilling... They were trying to almost push them up against these points where there was a little bit of weed cover so they'd feel a little more comfortable with the drilling because they had some shelter nearby. Mm-hmm. And he said you could almost see the fish set up tight against it and feel better than if they were on open water. You drilled at them near open water, I mean, they'd, they'd skedaddle before you ever had a chance to catch them. They were gone. Yeah. Yeah. And I think you'd probably see that even more on a lake like what we were talking about before, where you're going to these places where there's not a lot of pressure. Yeah. You may be the only person on that ice, or maybe there's two or three other people. Yep. Whereas you go to a place like Malak, Malax, those fish are used to hearing walkers oh, and yeah. people walk around all the time. But, you know, you say Malax, um, it's predictable. I fish there a lot. And early ice, I'm banging on fish, man. We do well, and we go deep, and we go away from other people. And as the roads are pushing their way out, the fish do get more relaxed and used to it eventually. But with every step and every new push, the bite starts to diminish a little more, a little more, a little more, until you really need to be out in areas where there's less people. And and you really need to try to fish some of these no-name spots that don't look that great on the map, right? Mm -hmm. But they're just maybe a flat, a featureless flat. Well, those fish haven't been harassed yet. They're ghost fish, right? Nobody gets at them because... Nobody's drilling off of a break away from a tight contour line. If it looks featureless, people just write it off. The featureless spots are some of the best spots on these big days. So when you're going stationary, yeah. let's get back and circle back yeah, to yeah, that. Yeah. Is that the kind of thing you're looking for to go stationary? Um, it isn't because a lot of times what I'll do is I'll get my house parked on a real good piece of structure, preferably away from everybody else. It could be secondary structure. So maybe we're looking down this long break and there's some really cool rock spots and you can see the nubs and it just looks so great. But just down from there, 300 yards, you have one little small jag in the contour, one little tiny one. A lot of times I'll go over and I'll drill and I'll see a couple rocks, man. It's just enough, just enough to hold some fish. I would prefer to set up my house on something like that versus the great big obvious spot. And then... During the course of a day or a weekend, fish out from there, right? And find find that flat, that featureless break where I can move my house to as a secondary move for my weekend. A lot of times on my weekends, I'll only move the house twice. And and on the good weekends, that's really that's really what I seek to do. Get to a decent spot that I either have had success in the past, might be a secondary spot preferably, and then go drill and find fish during the day, get that house to the spot by that Saturday night, enjoy Saturday night and Sunday morning's bike, hit the road. Go home. Yeah. 
you ready for work. Absolutely, don't say that. <laughs> <laughs> what, what are you looking forward to this year? Uh, I know lakes are starting to set up. Yeah. Um, what are you kind of? What are your plans? So it's interesting. I rely on these shows and friends and and, and people familiar with the industry to help shape a lot of what my ice fishing becomes. Um, it's a social sport to me. It's a sport that I enjoy thoroughly and I like variety and I like the learning aspect of it. So I'm always keen to talk to these guys at shows and people I respect and know and love to hear what they're doing. And every year I hear about something cool. And I want to do that. Or maybe it's not, I want to go where they're at, but I want to recreate what they're doing on my home lakes. Right. And it reinvigorates me to go and fish South Central Minnesota, Western Wisconsin, uh, those areas in different ways that I maybe hadn't intended. That stationary thing out of a hub, that was born out of talking to a number of guys fishing with live scope and having problems pushing fish away out of shallow weeds. So last winter, me and my boys, we just stocked up the cooler, had a stealth outing where we knew cameras and sitting tight in pockets of weeds was going to be what we did. And we caught some really big bluegills as a result. Had a blast. Saw some great pike on camera. Caught some huge bass that came in. Tried to eat our bluegills. Like, man, that was fun. Just hanging tight rather than uh, pounding brake lines all day like I you know, had been doing quite a bit of previously. So. Hanging tight in shallows? Yeah, I did a lot of shallow water fishing last year. More shallow water fishing than I've ever done and shallower spots than I've ever fished, three to five feet of water like that was in. Mm -hmm. um, backwater situations away from the crowds. Everybody loves fishing backwaters, but they, they really are the definition of community-type bites. These accesses fill up. They're on the road. Everybody sees it. Everybody knows there's a bite going down. They walk out. They see the cluster of people um, trying to get one slew away from them. I did a lot of, and I'll do that more this year too. So shallow, uh, some river stuff. I'm never not going to hit the big water. I want to get better at finding those no-name, no-feature spots, like a place that uh, Roach took me to on Winnie last year where we were miles away from anything that looked like a reasonable contour line and beating on perch senselessly. You were with us. Yeah. I, I mean, we were out in the middle of nowhere. Nowhere. Yeah. I mean nowhere, nowhere. And I want to get better at, 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 at having the guts – and, and, and the positive mental attitude it takes to go out and drill away till you find that. Because it was gold. Yep. Wasn't it fun? It was, it was unlike anything I've been, been a part of. <laughs> we, we, all, we all remember those bites forever. Uh, and so, you know, if, if you can uncover a secret like that just by drilling a few more holes, I'm, a, I'm all for it. Pretty cool. Yeah. I know you got uh, another place to be right now, I do. so I appreciate you taking the time out. I appreciate you, man. Thanks for listening to the Fish House Nation podcast presented by Catch Cover. For more ice fishing content, visit our blog at catchcover.com.